Welcome to another edition of the State of Recruiting's Open Mic. I'm Mike Roach of Orange 24-7, and each week I plan to sit down with a friend or colleague in the industry to talk about recruiting. This week's interview includes a chat with Rice University's Recruiting Director, Alex Brown. Alex worked on the Houston staff under Tom Herman and with many members of the current Texas staff, and he currently runs the operation at Rice. We talk about why he got into the field he got into, how he got to where he is, and what it's like to run a recruiting operation during a pandemic. So without further ado, we bring you Alex Brown of Rice. All right, my next guest is the director of recruiting for the Rice Owls. He is uh, just started his own podcast that we will talk about. I am joined by Alex Brown. Alex, thanks for uh, coming on the show. Mike, thanks for having me. Um, so we're going to get into a myriad of topics. I, I'm sure a lot of people are fascinated to hear kind of the ins and outs of, of how you guys are doing business these days. But um, before we get to that, just kind of how did you get to this point in your career? You know, what made you decide you wanted to get into the recruiting game and, and kind of what's your path been? It's funny that I'm in the position I'm in now because when I was in high school and I was so passionate about the NFL draft and scouting and trying to take the route of being the youngest general manager in the NFL. That was my dream uh, from a very young age. Uh, my, my friends, people I went to school with, coaches were like, oh, so you want to be a director of recruiting for a college football team. And like they were telling me this junior year of high school, senior year of high school, I was like, there's no way I'm going to get myself involved in recruiting. It's too, <laughs> it's too much of a fake industry. Uh, there's too much selling. I don't want to be a part of that. And to fast forward to now, um, it's really, it's, it's become uh, really a, a way to impact people um, by the way that I really try to, to operate as far as being truthful with recruits, um, you know, setting the, the table straight, you know, right from the get go. Um, that's something that's a huge passion for me as far as trying to make a difference in this industry one, but really the evaluating side and the scouting was, was the first love and that's what got me into it. So when I got into college, I started my own site with the guy that I took the scouting course with and the site took off to the point where I got picked up by Bleacher Report. I got picked up by a company called Optimum Scouting that now runs the scouting department for the XFL league. Um, and I did that scouting and covering the draft all through college. I was mowing yards to make sure I could, you know, go to see these games and get myself out there and really network while I was in school. And the thing that I realized was like, I, I don't know the right people to get my foot in the door at the NFL level. So I'm going to have to cut my teeth at the college level. It was one of those kind of pivot moments. And I think that's important as far as like, you know, you don't want to keep banging your head against the wall if it's not going to happen. So I had that realization uh, just before I was about to graduate and started getting involved with USA football, was covering their all-star games. I was covering their website. It got me connected to a recruiter at the University of Houston named Dallas Blacklock. And when Tom Herman took over at the University of Houston, Dallas was the one guy that was retained. He was the one holdover on that staff. And he got me in, in front of the director of recruiting, Adrian Mays. And I got the opportunity to work there for free and busted it for six months ran out of money. Um, they found a way to, to keep me that year. And thank God they did. That was the year we signed at Oliver and Derek King. We beat Florida state for the peach bowl. And I, I got an awesome opportunity early in my career from a recruiting standpoint of learning from some of the really, really established 
uh, strong recruiters like, you know, Tom Herman, obviously, uh, Todd Orlando was at USC, Major Applewhite who wound up taking over, um, Oscar Giles, Jason Washington, Derek Wareheim was at New Mexico. I mean, so many different guys you learn from, and Adrian in Dallas as well, that uh, one gave me a good perspective on how the, how to operate one. Um, but they were people that allowed me to do what I love doing the most, and that's finding talent and, and bringing players to the forefront. And that's how I got involved with, you know, Brian Carrington and I both cut our teeth together at Houston. And when everybody left for the UT, kind of that all happened at the end of the 2016 season. Um, that was an opportunity where I could have, you know, followed and stayed in the same type of role or um, stay at Houston and pursue the opportunity to be the director. So I was the interim director after the 2015 season. So for the 2016 class, because my boss left to get into the coaching realm. So Adrian Mays left after that first season, just so that he could get on board with Everett Withers at Texas state. So um, at the time I was 23, um, you know, definitely wanted to get the director job that first time around, but I wasn't ready for it. And the great thing was they brought in Derek Chang year two of Herman being at Houston. And that's who I learned from for a full year. And then when he left, I got another opportunity to be the interim director and that was a, a great experience as far as like, you know, dealing with coaching turnover, how to, you know, hold the, you know, hold the ship afloat really. And, you know, get with a new head coach who has a different philosophy and kind of learn what he looks for. So um, as that year progressed, I was basically the defensive recruiting coordinator. We broke it up where one person had offense, one person had defense got a chance to learn from another great person named Bob Merritt, who's now the assistant uh, GM for Edmonton Eskimo. So he's in the CFO, but he'd worked the NFL for a long time and, and was a scout, you know, had been a director of recruiting at Tennessee. So had again, like very fortunate to have learned from a bunch of really great people. And when everything kind of went down, as far as us getting let go year two of major Applewhite's era, um, that's when I was really shifted my focus towards like, Hey, I'd really like to get involved at rice. Like Houston's home for me. I know this city. I know the opportunity at rice as far as, you know, world-class degree and big time ball. And I remember them being really good. Not that long ago until 13 when CUSA, uh, James Casey, a guy that I, I worked with at Houston, um, is now tight ends coach for the Bengals, um, was a big time player there. So, um, I definitely wanted to be a part of what Bloomgren was doing. So I went over there, met with their chief of staff. They didn't have a position at the time. And, you know, three weeks after that, I get the call back to go work with Dana Holgerson again and got rehired actually at Houston after being fired for, for three weeks. And it wasn't like technically fired because I was waiting on the, you know, the, the termination letter, but um, got the chance to work with Dana and his staff and what they're doing right now. And, um, learned so much as far as like how West Virginia does their stuff. Ryan Dorchester, their chief of staff is like really, really smart as far as managing the numbers and the roster side of things. So that was going on as Rice reached back out when their director of recruiting job opened. And it was just the opportunity one to actually be titled up as the director and opportunity to install 
kind of what my plan is as far as like how we evaluate, how we operate the things that I've taken from not only Derek Chang and kind of the Ohio state model, but also from guys like Bob Merritt and the scouting background that I had heading into recruiting. Um, because I feel like, you know, as far as, you know, when you're recruiting and you're putting a board together, um, you should do all the homework on the front end so that you can focus on the relationships on the back end because too often offers are thrown out that aren't thoroughly vetted, aren't, aren't, uh, they don't take the process into account and, and then things get missed along the way. So again, like that opportunity came up, it's no brainer opportunity for me to work with a guy like Mike Bloomgren who'd had success at Stanford and with the Jets. So, obviously both college and pro kind of mixing the two as far as a, an approach standpoint. And uh, it's been great, man. Like I'm really enjoying my time over here and it's, it's so different because every single kid is like the smartest and the best, you know, from the schools they're coming from. So you're, you're dealing with such a different student athlete that has, you know, so many goals. And, and I think that we're really at a really good place from a culture standpoint, uh, you know, winning the last three games this season was huge for us. And uh, I'm just excited about where we're headed. Yeah, absolutely. And I definitely want to get into talking about Rice and, and the pitches there. But, you know, if we could just go back, obviously, listeners in my podcast heard some names they recognize with Derek Chang and uh, Brian Carrington. From a personnel side, like what stands out about those guys that you think that makes them so effective at what they do? Well, I, I would say Derek is – he taught me to be very, uh, be patient, right? Like I think the, the inclination recruiting is you want to be the first, right? Like it's, everybody wants to be the first offer. You want to be the first one in the building. You kind of want to get the cart before the horse. Um, he's a very methodical person and his process, like he's going to think things out like three steps in advance, like chess player. Like he's really good as far as, okay, if we do take this guy, this is what it's going to mean in two years and three years. Um, so I think from a, like a forecasting and like managing a team standpoint, he's really good at that. And that's something that's allowed him to kind of become Tom Herman's guy. I mean, he was, he was like the assistant director at Ohio state and really learned from one of the best in the industry, Mark Pantone. And Tom knows exactly what he's getting from Derek every day. Um, and he's just a super personable guy too. Uh, as far as Brian, um, Brian can talk to anybody and he's, he's got such an outgoing personality, but I, I think what separates really good recruiters and like, especially Brian is he doesn't try to be something he's not like, he's gonna be genuine to his personality and he's not, it's not fake enthusiasm. It's not fake connection. Um, it's normally pretty real. Um, so I think that's what really helps him, especially in his role um, you know, as far as Tom, Tom like has a plan, you know, he's, he's had success at different levels and, um, he, his saying to us is always the plan is infallible. And, uh, so you hear that over and over again and you, they, those types of things just stick with you. But, um, I think it's, it's, it's always been a, a fun staff to be around. I know there's been a lot of changes, um, guys have, have moved on, but, um, definitely learned a lot from both Brian and, and Derek. Um, you, you, you mentioned you were there when, it, when you guys signed at Oliver, the H town takeover, that was, I think SMU right now is trying to do something pretty similar where it's like, let's wall off Dallas. What was 
the strategy going into that and like what was I mean what were kind of the key ways you guys were able to execute keeping I mean not only at Oliver you guys kept some other really strong talent in Houston home in that cycle yeah I, I think it's group recruiting is so important and when you get the kid like there's it means so much more when another recruit is recruiting a kid for you or your own players are recruiting them so um, we really did a good job of not necessarily making events just to have events, right? Not junior days, just have junior days. Like it was select like Ace Town takeover night. We had like 15 dudes and like, you had guys like Patty Fisher there who wound up being an all American linebacker at Northwestern. We wanted him too. Um, Colin Wilder was the one that we got from Katie and he was a four year starter, but you get those guys and you get Ed Oliver, Courtney Lark, Derek King, um, just so many, like everybody knows who they are. Right. Um, and I think the temptation at any school is like, okay, you see a bunch of offers on a kid and you're like, oh, we can't touch this guy. But you never know until you get them on your campus. And, and we got them on campus so much and got them around our players and those other recruits who we were going after that they were able to kind of see it. They were able to see the vision that we were trying to build. Um, and we won that year. Like that was the thing that helped us. I mean, at the end of the day, we lost one game and won the Peach Bowl. Um, so it was really um, a perfect storm. I, I would say that the thing that gets lost in the whole thing is that Tony Levine did a hell of a job recruiting the team that we won with. And like, he's the one that signed Greg Ward. And, you know, they had offered Ed Oliver before we even got there. So I think in Ed's mind, he was already thinking about staying in Houston, in the city of Houston, staying home. But really cementing that, like, I mean, we were writing his little brother, you know, we were writing his mom, like you got to hit every aspect of somebody's we call like a web, you know, because um, there's so many people that are going to be involved in a kid's decision. Um, and it's not necessarily to manipulate. It's, it's about building trust and um, letting those people know that, Hey, like any questions you have, we're here for you because a lot of times some schools won't even reach out to the parent until they show up on campus. And it allows that interaction to be a lot more, you know, organic, you know, just real when you've already had a conversation, you already know where that person's from. You're not asking the same questions of like, Oh, so where do you work? Or, Oh, like how long you been in Houston? It's like, no, like, Hey, how was your week? Like, how are you doing? And I think that means so much more. And, and the staff did an awesome job of, you know, following up and really hammering those kids from day one that, Hey, we're really trying to change things here. So you move on to rice. You guys obviously, Rice has to battle in one of the hottest recruiting zones in America. Um, and you have your own set of, of challenges in the fact that it is very high academic standards. So you can only recruit a certain type of kid with a certain type of grades. Um, how did year one go in, in, in your opinion, in your philosophy, how, how well did the two things align for what you wanted to implement? And uh, just kind of tell me about a couple of the kids you got that you're really excited about. Yeah, no, it was, it was a really, really, um, awesome experience for me being in my my first class as director because um of what you did mention the challenge it's the challenge but i think you get such a such an awesome kid in the process so like as you add guys into the fold they become an extension of your staff um so as far as like how i feel like we did um we executed on being the most selective and and really vetting out our offers and 
making sure that each of those offers are very much committable. We had the, we tied for the fewest offers in the country with Northwestern and we signed the highest rated class in rice football history. We were, we were top five um, throughout the year as far as like being, you know, in the conference USA as far as like top five in conference, but we didn't sign a full class and, and we kept slots open because we did want to bring in grad transfers and we did want to bring in immediate help. Um, and we had a smaller senior class. So it was really, this year is more about quality over quantity. And the year before that, they added in more than 40 guys into the program, walk-ons and scholarship guys included. So the year before was more about flipping the roster. This was more about elevating our like talent so that we can go win now. Um, right off the bat, two guys that stick out, Kalen Griffin, yes. uh, trans- transferred around a little bit, finished at Chapel Hill, um, and Play Wyatt. Uh, so Play was the first commit at Rice before I got there. And Kalen wasn't far after. He's like five or six. But those two guys were in a group text with me throughout the entire year. And it was like anytime we offered somebody new, I was hitting them up. They were the ones that were engaging those recruits, getting information back to me and just doing a great job as far as building relationships. And, you know, I think with Kalen, he actually, I mean, he ran for 200 yards on a torn MCL. Um, He was super productive sophomore and junior year. and senior year, he lost most of the season. And I, I really want to take time to like emphasize, like we honored that kid's offer and we are very, very excited about him. And that's not the case everywhere. So um, not only like, can we say that our offers are committable, but like, we're going to protect you. And, and we're, we're looking out for those kids. Once we decide that they fit our program and our culture, um, he's the type of kid from like a speed slasher ability, uh, He's got some home run ability in our conference. Um, I think he's really dynamic and can even catch the ball to the backfield. So we're, we're excited about him. Plays just makes a ton of plays, and he's a, a great tackler, very involved. Um, and I'd honestly like to talk about every single one of these guys. Right. But um, Gabe Taylor is probably uh, the m- most interesting of every single one of them. He's, he's the highest rated signee in Rice football history. Um, we got him late and, and I mean, this kid was all about basketball, his whole, um, high school career until senior year, because he is the younger brother of the, the late Sean Taylor. Um, oh, wow! and, and that, that was really, really cool for our coaches when they went over there to you know, get to know the family and, and more about the background of them. But, um, uh, this kid had a quadruple double, like, I mean, he's an absolute ball player on the basketball court. So once he stepped on football field, I mean, it was like seven or eight pick sixes. Um, just like every play you watch on his highlight is you feel like it's going to the house. So um, he's just dynamic. And we see him as a guy that can play all three safety spots that we have, um, you know, for strong. And, and as far as Viper, what we call kind of our nickel um, overhang defender, but um, just a dynamic player. And, and for him and a guy named Jalen Reeves at uh, NSU and, over in Miami, he's the type of guy that adds such a dimension as far as rushing the passer and got us into Florida, um, which was important for us because um, we really want to make our hay in Texas, of course, um, but Florida, Georgia, uh, California, and Tennessee has been good for us. So um, I think those are some guys that stick out. And just the the, the identity we wanted to create was um, – really taking an intellectual brutality to another level as far as, you know, guys that are super competitive and it, 
it's not just about like knocking someone's teeth out, but it's about being competitive in your space and what position you play. So. Um, I love the hashtag intellectual brutality. It's one of the best out there. Um, really kind of speaks, it, it fits your culture. Well, I mean, you've got obviously the academic side of it. And then with coach Bloomgren coming over from, from Stanford as time as a power run type of guy, that's obviously it all fits. What's your, what's the pitch to a kid like that in Miami of come to Houston and play for, uh, for rice? Like, you know, how do you, how do you get a kid out of Miami? Well, so the thing is, everything that I was able to sell at Houston is still there. I mean, the city of Houston, you're talking about 22 fortune 500 companies. If you want to go and, you know, kinesiology, sports management, we're number one in the country in both of those degrees. If you want to go business, um, we've got the number one entrepreneurship master's program. And we have a running back, multiple players on our team that have gone through that where they get on pace to graduate in three years. And by year four, you're working on it. Year five, you're done with it. Um, So we're able to really, tell these kids that every opportunity is going to be there. And unlike most schools, we're going to allow you to to major in these things. Like we set our practice schedule around our course schedule. So it's different semester by semester, which is very unique from when I was at Houston and from when coach Bloomgren was at Alabama. Like it's so different. Uh, the, The model is upside down. And the reason we do that is because it is the best of both worlds. If you want to, play football only. And that is an experience, right? Like going and, you know, having that college experience and playing ball at a high level, that's real. Like I totally get it. But if you want to do that, they have state schools for that. If you want to only get high academics, like they have the Ivy leagues for that because Harvard is one of the best degrees you can find in the world. Right. But at the end of the day, you're only going to play 10 games. They're not going to have playoffs. I mean, they're not going to have a bowl game and, you know, it's just a different level. And on top of it, it's financial aid with us. It's both. And, and we really pride ourselves on that. Like we're playing LSU, we're at NRG. We played Texas last year in NRG. And this past year, it was more of like seeing where we are. And this year's is, is the year we're going to take off. But I think it's a matter of really wanting to be elite on and off the field with the opportunity to have a degree that truly means something and sets you apart from the person to your right and to your left and having that rice network because that really separates people. And on top of it, the city of Houston just has so many opportunities in any type of field that you want to go into as far as energy capital, the world, 22 fortune 500 companies. We've got the largest medical center in the world right next to our place. Um, so I, I think the, the pitches are kind of, easy. Uh, I think it's a matter of making sure that you're intentional with figuring out what it is that recruit wants, because everybody's different. I'm not going to just, you know, package it up and throw it at 10 different people. Um, I think rice is appealing to so many different people because we have a broad spectrum of things that we're really, really good at. I mean, you're talking 11 programs, like 11 school programs that are in the top 10 nationally. Um, so I, I love it. I have a great time with it um, because I think it's easy. I think this is an easy place to sell because it, the opportunities are real and our football program is going in the right direction. And I think that the locker room is what sets us apart because each of those kids are elite on and off the field. Um, so let's move forward to where we are now. Uh, middle of a pandemic, it has changed a, uh, a business that's all about relationships and face-to-face meetings to, uh, to what you and I are doing now in Zoom. 
what are, what are the biggest challenges right now for you guys and, and how are you kind of working around them? Well, I mean, it kind of goes without saying communication is the key. Uh, a lot of Zoom calls, um, that's how our coaches are staying in contact with our players. They're sending them workouts and all that kind of stuff. But as far as recruiting goes, um, it's all about messaging and branding and, you know, taking those relationships to another level. And the positive for us was the fact that um, 60%, more than half of our offers had made it onto campus before the pandemic hit. So a lot of these guys had already seen it. It's kind of the guys that cropped up and, and came onto our radar as the pandemic was hitting that we either offered or began to build that relationship with, or we we're planning again on a junior day for those guys. The, the challenge is making sure that, you know, you're, you're kind of straddling a, a fine line of, you don't want to be overly intrusive because I think it's at a certain level, um, 30 texts from 30 different people all at one time is a little, little too much. Um, you got to be sensitive to like allowing them to have their space, you know, being with their family, like going through this because people are battling it on different levels. I don't think it's the same, uh, the same hardship for everyone, right? It's not all the same, but I think, what we've done a good job of is, is finding, you know, the market inefficiency is like, you don't want to be part of white noise. You don't want to do everything that everybody else is doing just to do it. Um, for me, like, that's why I did my podcast. Like I wanted to get content out there, not just from me, not just from somebody who's pushing rice, right? Like I want to get other people to talk about how to really take this recruiting process, boil it down and, give actionable advice for recruits for different steps of the process. Right. But as far as how we're handling it, um, it's, it's all about getting content to those recruits that haven't been here, that, that don't know everything about our program, getting them campus tour videos, getting facility tour videos. Um, I'm not going to be big on throwing all of that content out on social media. I want to make sure that it gets to the recruits that I'm building those relationships with and we can talk about it. Um, a lot of FaceTime calls, Zoom calls, NBA 2K20. I mean, you're playing video games with these guys, but <laughs> um, you know, I, I think it it's uh, important to keep them on a roadmap, and and that's something that our staff really does a good job of is, you know, understanding that we're here to have a good time as far as like building those relationships and letting these kids feel like they they're really wanted. But it's not just about like. Brian always talks about, you don't just validate recruits. Um, you got to empower them. So um, we're very honest about like, Hey, we don't know how this pandemic is going to affect the timeline, but just know that we really want you. And we start to ask them about, Hey, how's your recruiting going with other schools? Because I think it's important to be able to have those honest conversations with recruits. So um, staffing wise, I think my recruiting staff and our guys do an awesome job of kind of knowing their lane. And I break it up as far as, you know, one guy is more of an identifier and evaluator. One guy's more of a relationship builder. We have a director of graphics that really sets up all of our social pages to really pump out the best quality content. Our video team does an awesome job. So um, it really does take a village, but it comes down to just communicating and, and sticking to your brand um, because you, you can't try too hard during a time like this and be someone you're not. I think that's really, really important from a recruiting standpoint. Before we move on to your podcast, what is the most popular video game you're playing these days with kids? Well, among the kids, at least. Uh, it's, you know, it's the, uh, 
I, I'm not playing Call of Duty, but Call of Duty is the most popular one right now. Yeah, uh, it's especially top Fortnite. It, it's it's top in everything because it's the same concept of Fortnite, but um, but Call of Duty style. So um, I haven't downloaded it yet. I'm sticking to 2K, and I'm more of a Battlefield guy myself. So um, I haven't gone down that road, and I was terrible at Fortnite. Like I was so bad that. I was just like, I'm not even going to try to get good at this game. So um, we'll see. We'll see if I jump down the uh, Call of Duty wormhole. I feel like I mean, I'm a little older than you, but I feel, you know, you and I are obviously closer in age than we are to the, the kids we cover and deal with. I feel like Fortnite's one of those things that we missed by age. Like, it's not like any game we ever played growing up. And I tried it for like five minutes once, and I was like, I have no clue what's going on here. I don't know what to do. I'm terrified. These kids are killing me. And that was about the only chance I gave it. I, I, I'll stick to Halo 2. Yeah, yeah. I feel like those are the things video. we grew up on. I'm good with that. So you yeah. mentioned you must be really bored because you jumped into the podcast space um, and, and launched your new podcast this week, uh, Up Close in Personnel, which is a great name. Um, that's before we get into it, that's available on just about any, uh, podcast platform, iTunes, Stitcher, Google, Spotify, all those things. Okay, cool. Um, so you, you guys can get it there. His first episode actually is with uh, Texas director of recruiting, Brian Carrington. So that will be topical and informational for, for my listeners here. Um, talk about kind of what you want to accomplish with the podcast and, and maybe some things coming up that, that our listeners can look forward to. Yeah. Um, the biggest the, the goal of the podcast is to educate and inform everybody involved and not just the recruiting process, but the evaluation process in football. I think um, a lot of people are interested in it, one, but there's a lot of misinformation about it and what actually goes on. Um, so it's kind of just like peeling back the layers of that, mainly to help like the athletes, because I feel like so often kids are making decisions that aren't fully informed or they're getting the wrong information from the wrong people. And everybody has kind of an end game. Right. Um, and, and the, the best way to sort through all of that trash for a recruit is to, to understand what, what's really going on behind the scenes and what's really, how do I present myself best? Um, how should I approach uh, an on-campus visit? Um, how should I approach a phone call? Like, I don't think people take the time to realize like there really is a, a strategy to that and, and putting your best foot forward. It's no different than like an interview for a job, like that you or I would, would be going for, you wouldn't go in blind. You know, you're going to look up information about the company and about the people and have questions ready. Um, you're going to be interested in it and you're not only just going to be a consumer in the process, but um, you're going to be a prospective buyer, right? Like you have to vet out the people that are recruiting you. Like Brian said it on the show, don't just be recruited. You need to recruit them as well. You need to take the time to figure out, is that somebody that I want to coach me? And, you know, that was really the goal of the podcast. And it was funny, like 2018 uh, is when I came up with the name of it. And I just made the the page on one of the podcast platforms and just so that I didn't lose the name of it, but it was always something I wanted to do. Um, at the time I was assistant director, recruiting coordinator for defense. Like I didn't have the experience to just go out there and, and talk as an expert in the field. And by no means I'm saying like, I'm the, the end all be all expert in recruiting. I'm still learning. And I think that's 
the beauty of a podcast like this is that I'm going to learn probably more than anybody else because I'm getting to do background and like research on all these people that are really successful and ask them questions that frankly, like I would love to get the answers to. And I know that people that one want to be successful in the industry or two recruits that want to be successful in in their decision-making, like it's going to be able to help everybody out. And I mean, I'm not going to jump on TikTok and, and dance like crazy. <laughs> and I've already said, I'm not playing Fortnite. So for me, like having been down the media route, you know, jumping on other people's podcast shows and just listen to guys like Tim Ferriss or Ryan Hawk or Michael Gervais, like so many really good podcast shows that talk about things in depth and you learn so much. I had always been waiting for somebody to make one on recruiting and scouting. And it just, I could never find one. And I just decided, Hey, like I need to break down and just do this damn thing and finally just did it. So you got the time, right? We all got the time now. Uh, last no question doubt. before we get out of here is uh, you started this by saying your, your ultimate goal is to end up in NFL personnel doing all that. Uh, now that you, I've always told people, especially on the recruiting or on the reporting side, you get a taste of recruiting. You might think it's not for you, but when you get a taste, some people get addicted to it. Are you, I mean, is that still your ultimate goal? Maybe one day to end up in the NFL or are you fully addicted to the recruiting side now? You know, I, I have really fallen in love with recruiting because of the, the relationship side of things. And I get to have such a different uh, connection with our players than our coaching staff does because instead of being like mom or dad, like I'm, I'm their brother, you know, like once we get them signed, like we're family. Right. But I have a, a different relationship with that recruit than somebody that, that coaches them, the full-time coach, the head coach, strength coach. Right. Um, so that part of it, I didn't realize how much I would enjoy. Um, and then managing my staff and, and really seeing guys develop and grow and, and get better. And um, I just had uh, an intern that worked with me for three years, get a GA job at Auburn uh, like that. That's been really rewarding. So, um, you know, I've gotten to the point where I'm not so focused on, you know, an end goal or a destination because this has been really fun. Like I'm going to ride this out as long as I can. And, I enjoy working for coach Bloomberg so much because he enabled me to do my job without being a, he's not a micromanager. He is very involved and he asks amazing questions. And I learned so much from him as far as how to do my job better and how other people are doing it. He's connected me with people to help learn and advance what I do. Um, but I, I don't think I could find a better boss right now. And I think that's really important regardless of what you want long-term in football I think for me it's am I evaluating and I, am I contributing to building rosters if, if I'm checking off both of those two boxes I'm really happy and that's that's what I'm getting to do at Rice. Well that's great man we appreciate you coming on and, and giving our listeners kind of an inside look at, at how everything operates normally and during this weird time I uh, hope you uh, and the family are staying safe and uh, appreciate you for joining me. Absolutely man thanks for having me on the show. Thanks.